Hola. <laughs> let's, let's read 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 12 to 17. It says like this. I thank him who has given me strength, Christ Jesus our Lord, because he, he judged me faithful, appointed me uh, to his service. So formerly I was a blasphemer, persecutor, and insolent opponent, but I received mercy because I had acted ignorantly in unbelief. And the grace of our Lord overflowed for me with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. The saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the foremost. But I receive mercy for this reason that in me, as the foremost, Jesus Christ might display his perfect patience as an example to those who were to believe in him for eternal life. To the king of ages, immortal, Invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. This is Paul talking to Timothy in a personal letter, and it's amazing that he finished this sentence with this um, doxology. That's how you call it, yeah? With a doxology like this. He is surprised after so many years of ministry uh, of what God has done to him and how he got appointed to ministry. Um, I'm going to share a little bit of my testimony. Um, I, it, it was 1999 when I, I was dreaming. Uh, I was living my dream that I had when I was a kid. I wanted to become a rock star. <laughs> and I dream about it. I, when, since I uh, found a guitar, um, uh, yeah, an acoustic guitar in the closet of my grandma. Um, I asked for it, and I started learning to play music, and I started writing songs. And in 1999, uh, I was uh, releasing a second album with my old band, Control Machete. You don't have to look for it. And don't share it with your Spanish-speaking friends. <laughs> Trust me. <laughs> It was like a, something like a Cypress Hill from Mexico or NWA type of thing. And it, it, it grew up so fast. We released our first album in 1997. In 1999, Levi's, the jeans company, chose one of our songs to be on the Super Bowl commercial of that year, 1999, it was crazy. I started rapping because I listened to Cypress Hill in Spanish. You, you don't have to look for that either. <laughs> Please don't. But when I, when I heard them uh, rapping in Spanish, I said, I, I could do that. So I started rapping. I started doing rhymes. So I didn't become a rock star, but I became a rap star. <laughs> and, and in 1999, I was doing a song with them in a, in a Spanish album they released in 1999. But in that year, God saved me. I went to a church. Yes. <laughs> I had a, a girlfriend, and she was a Christian. She 
it came to me and, and, and well, we were talking and she was like, I, I'm a Christian. I'm, I'm, I, I said, I'm Fermin. I, I'm, I didn't know what that meant. But she took me to her church in a Sunday service, just like that. It, it wasn't a rap concert or anything, just a regular service. I realized that God loved me. <laughs> I, 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 was a, I was a Catholic, but a Mexican Catholic is different. <laughs> a lot of the Virgen de Guadalupe and all that. And, and, and I went to that church and I went four times, not uh, four times in, in a row, but uh, in between times where, where I visit Mexico City. And I, I didn't know about how God loved me, but when I read uh, Romans 5, 8, for God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. I realized he loved me while I was still a sinner. I listened to these, these uh, preachers every time. I think it, it was a different preacher every uh, time I went. But at the end, they always says, said, uh, God wants to have a relationship with you. And I was like, really? <laughs> because all my relationships at that time, they were broken because of my lifestyle. And I was thinking, like, he wants to have a relationship with me? He's going to be hurt. <laughs> I didn't know what I was talking about. He loved me in, in, the, in the place where I was. In the place where I was. I thought I needed to be a good person for him to love me. When I realized that I couldn't be a good person, instead I was doing worse every season of my life. And with the fame, it came with everything else. And I thought I would have to pay somehow what I have done in all these years. And, and I also said, uh, well, if I have to pay it in hell, whatever. Let's, let's do it. So be it. But he loved me, and he showed me his love dying for me in that cross while I was still a sinner. I saw the Lord breaking my chains of addiction in August 14, 1999 in San Jose, California. We were doing a tour, and at that time, the, the girlfriend that took me to, uh, to the church, uh, she fly to San Jose, California, and I went to the church. I, I, I say yes, I, I received Christ, but I'm still doing drugs. And, and I kept on lying to her about it. But when she saw me there, she was going, she was working in a TV station, a music te television station, and she went to interview all the, the, the bands that were performing in this, um, in this event. And when she saw me, she was like, you're still doing, yeah? I'm like, yeah, I cannot stop. And, and she prayed for me. I think what she did is just taking the, the ceiling away. <laughs> And, put in, and she put me in front of Jesus. Uh, she told me, he can help you. He's in your heart. And I, he, and I was like, oh, he has a lot of problems in Middle East. I know he has a lot to do. 
he can do anything for me. And, and she prayed. And at that time, I was released. And I know he didn't have to do that miracle, but he did it. And it was a sign. I know through the word that it's a sign, and a sign points somewhere. And the only thing I, I could um, think, uh, the only thing I could think it was, I have to know this battle. <laughs> I have to know this guy. I have, what else he can do? If he can release me from this addiction, what else he can do? So I start going to church in Monterrey. I'm from Monterrey, Nuevo León, in Mexico. And I start going to every service, not every Sunday service, every service. <laughs> if they had something on Thursday, I went, if I, anything. I just wanted to go. And I was crying in between the pews, you know, in the chairs. I just dropped in the, in the floor crying and just um, receiving his love. And he started changing me. One time, they announced a... a a study about the Holy Spirit every, every night of that week. So I start going every week, every night to listen to what, the, the, what is the, the Holy Spirit. And I was baptized by the Spirit, and I got the uh, nuevo. How do you say that in English? I have no idea. The nuevo. I was, yeah, bold. And I start telling all my friends about it. I started telling all my friends about Jesus. One friend of mine, he was with me every, everywhere. And I started talking to one, one friend and another friend, another friend. And this guy, he was like, hey, shut up. Stop, stop talking about Jesus. And I remember uh, the street. I remember that night. I remember telling him, I won't stop anytime. I will tell everybody about Jesus and how he saved my life. That was 1999. My life changed. So I started going to this church in Monterrey, and I met another musician, and he knew that I was a musician, and I went to Mexico City because that's the place where my girlfriend was living at that time. And he told me, oh, there's a church that is very musical. <laughs> they had, they, their, their pastor, he was a music director for big artists, so you can go there. He didn't know that my pastor, Hector Hermosillo, he was teaching the Bible verse by verse. So the first time that I went, my, my girlfriend, Tere, she was going to the other church for 12 years. And the first time we went, uh, Hector went through Matthew chapter 5 from 1 to 12, the Beatitudes. And, and, and I was amazed by what he was teaching. But my girlfriend, she was like, oh, my God, <laughs> I learned today more than in 12 years. What is this? And, she, and, and we start going to that church since there in, in 2000. Um, one week before I got married, I went to give my testimony to Tijuana, to a youth camp um, event. And I shared my testimony, and I met a guy from Guatemala. And he gave me the best advice I ever received in my life. He was there, and he knew who I was. 
He told me he went to a concert of Control Machete in Guatemala, tried to knock at my door and, and preach me, but I couldn't be reached at that time. And, and he told me, you have to get disciple. You have to become a disciple. And I was like, yes, what is that? <laughs> because I didn't know what it was. I, I didn't even know the, the words, you know, disciple. And he told me, well, the, you have to receive Bible classes, Bible lessons. You have to know the Lord. You, you have to get rooted in a church. Because if they start telling you to give the testimony, you'll be all around and you'll be back again in, in the world. And, 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 and he was right. He, I went to, we got married with this girlfriend, yes. And with my, my, my girlfriend, Tere, I got married in 2000. And in the honeymoon, I told her that. They told me I have to learn more. And she was like, do you know anybody in Monterrey that could do that? And I'm like, no. Um, she didn't want it to live in Monterrey. So. And, and Hector lived in Cuernavaca. So we came back from her honeymoon and went to Hector's house. And I asked him, can you give me Bible lessons, Bible classes? And he was like, well, I don't have a classroom, but I have coffee and pan dulce. Do you know what pan dulce is? Oh, my God. <laughs> pan dulce is pastries, but Mexican pastries. It's amazing. And he, he was like, I have coffee and I have pan dulce. You can bring your Bible and we can start uh, uh, learning. And I was like, well, I'm going to live in Monterrey. And this is 10, 10 hours from here. And he was like, we just move here. And we just, uh, we just stand and went looking for a place. And we moved in, in, in two weeks. We were there. And I remember the first time I went to his house, he told me, bring your Bible, bring a notebook, and bring color pencils. And I was like, what? Are we going back to kindergarten or what? <laughs> Are we going to color something? And from day one... He, told, he showed me how to read the Bible, how to mark the Bible, how to um, look for the things that is written there. So he went to, he took us to Psalm 19. Can you go with me with, to Psalm 19? He took me to Psalm 19 and he was like, okay, you have to memorize Psalm 19 for next week. And I was like, what? <laughs> Thankful he didn't say a Psalm 119. <laughs> he said it's Psalm 19. I was like, I wouldn't memorize that much. And he was like, you're a rapper. You, you know your rhymes. You have to memorize this. And so we memorize it. Salmo 19. Los cielos cuentan la gloria de Dios. El firmamento. Oh, I learned it in Spanish, not in English. <laughs> so, you know Psalm 19. This is the first thing. I study ever, like with my pencils, color pencils, with my Bible, and I start marking everything. And, and my, my pastor, he took me through the first six verses, talking about how there's, yeah, there is a voice going through all the air, but there's no speech 
nor there are words whose voice is not heard. So there's a message in the creation. But when, when he got to verse 7 to 10, it was crazy for me. It, it says, the law of the Lord is perfect. It's complete. You know this. Reviving the soul, converting the soul. The, 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 the Bible is complete. It's perfect. The testimony of the Lord is sure. You can trust the, uh, the, the word of God. Making wise the simple. Being simple is not a good thing. <laughs> Being simple is believing anything. And in Mexico, we believe anything. You can see today <laughs> that we believe anything on, or anyone. Um, but the Bible, the teaching of the word, making, makes wise the simple. The pre- precepts of the Lord are right, rejoice in the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. When I learned this, it was like it was put in my heart like a tattoo inside of me. This is the word of God. You don't need anything else. This is what the people need. This is what I need. It says in verse 10, more to be desired are they than gold. Even much fine gold, more precious than gold, sweeter also than honey and drippings of the honeycomb, sweeter than honey. What else do you want? If this is more precious than gold and sweeter than honey. I remember he teaching us this and marking with colors the, the, the terms of, uh, of the law, the precept, the testimony, the characteristics of the word and the effects that it has in, in those who hear it and who understand it. And, and he went to verse 13. Keep back your servant also from presumptuous sins. How do you say that? Presumptuous? That's something like arrogant or proud. Uh, in, in Spanish it says, Librame de mis soberbias. Uh, keep me back, your servant, from presumptuous sin, from proudful, from a proudful heart. And I remember my pastor just grabbing his Bible like this and asking me, "You know what's prideful? This." And he closed his, his the Bible, and he said, "Every time we close the Bible, it's like saying, I, I can do it for myself today. I have to open the Bible every day, every day to." Um, so, so that effect had, had, uh, could be in my heart, in my life. I have to be wise. I have to make better decisions. I have to go back to the Lord every time I open the Bible. I have to, I have, I have the light, lampara mis pies. I'm, oh my God. The verses come in Spanish and don't come in English to my mind and to my heart. Yeah. So it's like uh, Psalm 119, 105. I know this in Spanish, but... Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. I needed that. So my, my pastor, he said, every time we don't take the Bible as what it is, 
and we close it, that's, that's a sin. <laughs> that's a proudful heart. That's, that's arrogant. We need it. So that's the first lesson I learned in, 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 in my first steps as a Christian. And, and after Psalm 19, he was like, well, we're going to study a book. And I said, great. And he started teaching me through 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy, Titus, and Philemon. And you know that. This, that's pastoral letters. I mean, when I, I get asked as a pastor, uh, which book do I start? I always say, we always say a gospel. You know, John, Luke. But here's my pastor teaching me about how to conduct in a church. It was like, what? I didn't, I, I, so I started uh, studying that. And after those uh, letters, he went to 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians. So he was planning something. I don't know what, but, <laughs> or God was doing it. That was 2000, in 2005, he moved to Chicago to start uh, a church there in Spanish. And um, after those five years, I became the pastor of Semilla de Mostaza. 2005, it's been 17 years. <laughs> and this Sunday, I start as a pastor. Uh, the Sunday before, he finished Second Thessalonians. So the first time I went to the pulpit, and no, it was not the first time I was there, but I was there as a pastor. I was reading First Timothy. And I was like, I was crying. I was like, what? <laughs> it's been 17 years teaching the Bible, verse by verse. Uh, I know who are you, <laughs> and I know you're teaching the Bible like that, but in Mexico it's not common. It, it is not common to teach the Bible verse by verse, chapter by chapter. It's, it's really hard to find a, a church that teaches the Bible like, like that. Or even like expository preaching or teaching. There's no, nothing like that in Mexico. So we start going through the Bible and we went all the way through New Testament to Revelation. And, and someone asked me, and what, what are we going to do now? <laughs> I'm like, Genesis, I guess. <laughs> so we went to Genesis and start teaching through Genesis. And, and it's amazing. It's a book of grace. I was scared to go into Exodus, so we went to John. <laughs> I, was, I was like, let's do John, let's see the Lord, and then come back to the law. <laughs> and we went to Exodus. I remember... When I was going to Leviticus, my mother-in-law, she was the, the she was one Sunday before she was like, "Are you are you sure you're gonna teach Leviticus on Sunday?" And I was like, "Well, that's the book. This, that's, that's the next book." <laughs> and she was like, "Have you studied all of it?" I'm like, "No, I'm gonna study every week for it." And this, the Sunday when we started Leviticus in, in, in the offering time, she was like, are you sure? I'm like, yeah, my notes are from Leviticus. <laughs> <laughs> and we just did an introduction. And when we come back to, uh, when I saw her after the service, she was like, wow, yeah, we need to go through that. And we just finished Psalms on in, in, in the pandemic, 
Psalms, and we went to Matthew, and we're coming back to Proverbs in some, some other, um, in, in the next month. And it's been amazing. So uh, in 2015, the president of the Argentinian Bible Society called me and asked me to go to Argentina to talk about expository preaching. And I asked him, uh, where do you know me? And he sent his son to Mexico City, and has start, he started going to our church. So he went to our church one day, and he saw how we teach the Bible, and he was surprised. And it was the anniversary, 190th anniversary of this Argentinian Bible Society. So he asked me to come to Argentina and go through 18 cities in 15 days. It was crazy. <laughs> I was in one city in the morning and drove two, three hours, and in the evening in another city teaching about the Bible, Nehemiah chapter 8, and flying from that city at night to another city to start all over again. And it was amazing just having pastors coming in and listen to... I just gave Nehemiah chapter 8. Can you go with me with, to Nehemiah chapter 8? Nehemiah, that's how you say it, yeah? Nehemiah chapter 8, verse 8. It says, they read from the book from the law of God clearly, and they gave the sense so that the people understood the reading. So through this verse and through the story of this chapter, we just went with pastors going through, through it through this, um, through this chapter, teaching them, this is, this is a model of how to teach the Bible. Just read it. Just um, gave the sense. This is um, explain the meaning. And, and have this objective, this target, so they can understand what it, what it says. And we went through, through the chapter and... We went through the, um, the reaction of the people crying. You know the chapter. They're crying, and Nehemiah and Ezra is like, don't cry. This is a joyful day. But they were crying because the, uh, the Holy Spirit and the Word of God acted upon their hearts, and they were repented. And we saw how the next day they asked for more, like, they, don't, they, they went through the Bible in chapter 8 from the beginning of the day to midday. That's six hours. I know, pastor, we can do that. <laughs> but a whole, a whole uh, um, town listened to the word for six hours. And after that, they are knocking at the door of Ezra. I, I, I just imagine how they knock at the door and Ezra is like, Hello, six hours talking. I mean, it's crazy. But they are like, what else? We, we need to know. We understand. We need to know more. So he shares and how in that, in that month that they were, in the seventh month, there was this feast of tabernacles. So they obey immediately. So we just took the pastors going through the Bible. That's 2015. And they, they, they were like, what? <laughs> because in Argentina, it's the same. 
they don't teach the Bible verse by verse, explaining it. In, in Latin, Latin America, there's, there's no teaching like this. And they were like, can, can, can you do that in church? I'm like, you're supposed to do that in church. <laughs> there's a pastor, a friend of mine, Ibert. He's from Bolivia. He's pastoring a church in Querétaro, in Mexico. Uh, he was with us like for 10 years, and he moved to Querétaro to start a church, to plant a church there. He just went to Semilla. He, he don't know any other church. And when I told him, like, this is not common, and he's like, not common? This is the most common thing. <laughs> this is the Bible. You have to go through the chapters, verse by verse. And, and, and that's not common. So we came back from, from Argentina, inspired of that, inspiring, inspired for that that they asked me to do. And we went through uh, different cities and doing the same, just opening Nehemiah 8 and teaching pastors. And the same answer. They were like, can you do that? Is, how can I do this? I never taught the Bible like this. Can I, where do I start? And they were like um, um, doubting about doing a, a teaching like that. And this year, we did it again. So we went to a different cities, to Monterrey and different cities doing the same thing and teaching Nehemiah 8 and teaching the pastors. And now it's different. After some years, there's a pastor coming to us and, and telling us, we've been doing this for two years. We've been teaching the Bible verse by verse, chapter by chapter. And we, we're really happy to see that because the Word of God has to come back to the pulpit in Latin America. It's, it's gone for years. Ezra, when he, they asked him to bring the book, he brought the book. You know, it, it, it's obvious, but you have to see it. He brought the book, not an iPad, not, an, not, an, not anything, just uh, the book. I, I mean, I don't have any problem if you use an iPad, but make sure they know you're reading from the Bible, right? So we're praying for that. And I know that what Nehemiah 8 pictures is a revival. And, and we pray for that in Latin America, for a revival. <laughs> that a lot of people know this, that the Lord loves them. That they, they don't have to be good to be loved by Him. They love, they, he loves them as they are in the place where they are. So we read 1 Timothy chapter 1. So can we go back to that 1 Timothy chapter 1? So this is Paul talking to, um, to Timothy. This is not a, a letter to, the, to a church, but to a person, to Timothy. And he's, he, he commands him, he urge him to remain in Ephesus, it says in, in verse 8, and, um, so that you may charge certain persons not to teach any different doctrine. So you, you know the context, you know what, it, what is this about. And when he comes to verse 12, he just shares what, um, what he knows. And and you can see Paul uh, 
30, almost 30 years after he, he was going to Damascus, when he got um, saved, when he met the Lord, this is 30 years after that moment. And after 30 years, he's still amazed of the grace and the mercy God showed to him. And that's what I want to share with you. That's what I want for me. After 30 years, being every day amazed of the mercy and the grace that God showed me. So he says, I thank him, verse 12, who has given me strength, Christ Jesus our Lord, because he judged me faithful, appointing me to his service. Appointing me is something that is, um, well, that. <laughs> Just like that. You have to have some characteristics, some background to be appointed to something. It's like being appointed to uh, a, to a, to a government service or to a, a, to a work that you have to be qualified to do it. And what, what was the qualifications that Paul had? Well, it says in verse 13, through formerly I was a blasphemer, persecutor, and insolent opponent. That's nice. <laughs> well, it is not nice. But that was what he was. And you know his story. He was a blasphemer. And, and then he goes saying, and a persecutor, an insolent opponent. And this is an, an, an ascending scale of wickedness. Because blasphemer is a matter of words only. But persecutor describes suffering inflicted in others for their religious belief. But insolent includes the idea of cruelty and abuse. So he, he was a terror. <laughs> Just like that. He was a terror. And he, he says, but I receive mercy. But I receive mercy. How can you say he appointed me to his service being this? So if we think about it, there's, there's a lot of people in our church that can become a pastor anytime. Well, just look at us, who we are. But, but then Paul says here, I have acted ignorantly in unbelief. And this reminds us of Jesus in the cross. In Luke chapter 23, verse 30, 23, verse 34, it says, And Jesus said, For Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. So they act ignorantly, like Paul. He thought he was doing a service to God, persecuting the church. And, but in that place, God showed him mercy. And he received that mercy. It says in verse 12, 14, I'm sorry. And the grace of the Lord overflow for me with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. So we know he was convinced to persecute the church, 
he was convinced that he was doing um, a service to God um, and taking people to prison and make them blaspheme and killing them. He was convinced that he was doing a service to God. But in that place, he got an encounter with God. So this is, this is the moment when, when he received grace abundantly, overflow. Grace of our Lord overflow for me with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. And he received faith. And he knew that God loved him. In verse 15 says, The saying is trustworthy, trustworthy and the serving of full acceptance. You know, there's only three times that this is right in, 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 in Paul writes. And this is the saying, that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. Amen. Yeah? This is true. And Paul had to admit he was this, a sinner. And we had to. And uh, amen, yeah. Thank God that he came for the sinners because this is a place full of sinners. But Paul didn't just have to realize that at that time. But 30 years after that time, he still thinks this way because he says of whom I am the foremost in other translations it says I am the worst I am the chief if you had to make a line of sinners you have to put me in front I am the one in the front that's what Paul is saying he's not saying I was but he says I am so verses uh, before this, he says this in verse 8. Now, we know that the law is good if one uses it lawfully. You have to use the word correctly. And he says this, understanding this, that the law is not laid down for the just, but for the lawless and disobedient. And, you know, for the ungodly and sinners. And he starts doing this list. And when he does this, he makes this list, he's picturing himself, not others, but himself. He knows, I am the worst, I am the foremost, I am the chief. He knows his own heart, and he knows he's in top of that list. So we know in Romans chapter 7, you know Romans chapter 7, and we, we see how Paul is struggling. The things that I have to do, I don't do it. And the things that I don't, I do it. And he just, he just says at the end of, of um, chapter 7, miserable de mi. That's, yeah. Let's, uh, miserable de mi. Romans chapter 7, at the end, it says, wretched man, wretched man, that I am. Who will deliver me from this body of death? I love this verse because he knows he needs Jesus the same as the first day. 30 years after, 
He needs Jesus the same. He, needs, he, do, he doesn't say, what will deliver me from this body of death? He says, who? And in verse 25, says, thanks be to God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. So he's not saying I was. He says, I am the worst. I think this is um, the use of the law lawfully. You know, so I know I told you about what God has been doing in Mexico and, and at that time in Argentina. And we are praying for the Bible to come to the pulpit, back to the pulpit in Mexico. And I know there's a Bible in your pulpit every Sunday and every Wednesday and every time you have to share but are we using the Bible lawfully? Can we see us in there? Are we opening the Bible just to teach it? Are we closing it for all lives? For myself? We have to use it lawfully and see and, and see what we are. We, 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 don't, we can't forget who we are. We need Jesus the same as 22 years ago. Yeah. Verse um, 16, it says, But I receive mercy for this reason, that in me, as the foremost, Jesus Christ might display his perfect patience as an example to those who were to believe in him for eternal life. Example. What do they see in us when we're teaching the Bible? My, my pastor, he had coffee and pan dulce. <laughs> That's what he had. But he didn't just open um, the Bible. He opened his house. So early when I met the Lord, I saw an example. And it was amazing. It took away this thing that Christianity is just a philosophy or anything. It's, it's a living thing. You can live the Bible. You can live Christianity. You can live with Christ. And I saw it in my pastor and his family. I saw that he was the same in the pulpit and off the pulpit. He was the same guy. And, and, and in this those two years that we were in Cuernavaca living, my wife and I, we went to, uh, to prisons to teach the Bible. Everywhere we went just uh, preaching the, 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 the gospel. And I saw that this is, this is it. I saw a man that God did something for him that he can do for me. Is that what they see in you? Is that what the, your church see in you as a, a, an example, a display? A display of what? Of patience, says there, yeah? A display. Jesus Christ might display his perfect patience as an example to those who were to believe in him for eternal life. So this is amazing. Almost 30 years, 30 years after that encounter that Paul had with Jesus, 
in the road of Damascus, he needs Jesus the same. And we have to... Well, I want that for me. <laughs> I don't know if you want that for you, but I want that for me. Because I, I want to become an example. I, I, want, I want to show that what the Lord has done for me, it can be done for that, that person that thinks they have no hope in their lives. For that, those that they think that they don't deserve grace. Because there's a lot of people that they don't think they deserve grace. But God has grace abundantly for them. So when we finish in verse 17 and see Paul saying to the king of ages, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever, amen. You can understand. He knows. He knows. I need Jesus so I just have to open my mouth and praise him. So he started this section with, a, with, a, with gratitude, and he finished it with praise. Okay? So let's pray. Okay? Thank you, Jesus, for your love. We can get over it. It's amazed, amazing that you love us that time. You know what time was when every one of us had that encounter with you. That time when we realized what we were and who you, who you are. That time where Grace and love and faith came to our hearts and our lives through you. Thank you, Jesus, for your love. Don't let us get over your love. We need you the same today than that day. And, and I ask you, Lord, that you can give us this thing that Paul knows and embraces we need you. We need you the same today. In Jesus' name, amen.